This is Father Gregory Pine. This is Father Joseph Anthony Cress. And welcome to God's Planning. Thanks to all those who support the podcast. If you enjoy the show, please consider making a monthly donation. A donation. <laughs> it's like a donation, except a donation at patreon.com slash godsplaining. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your content. Father Joseph Anthony. Let's crack lacking. So in this episode, we're going to talk about hobbies. Yes, that's right. Hobbies are the type of thing that you do that don't fit into like the normal workaday world. No. Which provides us a transition into our introduction. You typically don't transition into an introduction. One would think not. You typically just introduce it. Yeah. All right. So you, you've heard on the uh, on the podcast, we've been announcing the All Comers Retreat, which that's is right. to take place in Malvern, Pennsylvania, at Malvern uh, Retreat House. And that's June 16th through 18th. And then last week, we just announced the Men's Retreat, which is taking place in Brevard, North Carolina. So same place as last time, Camp Cadalea, Chasatanga. Uh, so that's for men age 21 and beyond. Uh, so both of those options are open for people 21 years and older. Mm-hmm. Uh, all-comers retreat for all-comers, the men's retreat for men, as the name would give one to believe. The reason I mention it in this transition into an introduction is because it's like a retreat is is not the work-a-day world either. No. It's just a different thing. So like retreats, pilgrimages, hobbies. We're talking about the type of thing. It's not so much that you push pause on life as that you approach life from a different perspective or from a different vantage. Um, I don't know if you have like go-to aspects of your life for which that's true. I mean, we're supposed to go on a retreat once a year, right? right. Um, but go-to ways in your own life that you look at your life from a different vantage. I don't know your thoughts. Yeah. I think um, there's the aspect of if we only look at our daily life or our routines or whatever it may be from the vantage point of um, this is my occupation, this is my profession, and I got to get this done. It tends to flatten our life, mm-hmm. right? There, There's a, this kind of, it, it moves things down to kind of uh, a, almost like a sepia tone. Like you can tell there's a little difference here, but everything's in the same uh, hue, if, if you will. But these moments of hobbies, retreats, pilgrimages, I would throw vacations in there yep. as well. It's not that we are escaping the demands or responsibilities of our life. Like you could do that, right? You could run on a pilgrimage or you could go on vacation as an escape from these things of like, I just need to get away and escape reality. So I want to go off and do this thing and leave it all behind. But there's a way to kind of, yeah, pause and create a little bit of a, a harmony to make sure that my uh, my identity, my being, my activity of life isn't just completely ordered and oriented to this kind of responsibility or production that I have, which is most identified with my profession or my occupation. Yeah. So it's really important to have that not just in these kind of sequestered, like very, very sectioned off areas of your life that would take the form of an intentional retreat where you take a number of days off or a pilgrimage or a vacation where you've blocked it out. But there's a way to integrate that into a healthy, harmonious rhythm of our our life. And we see that in the daily uh, experience. Um, And we're going to wrestle with that and kind of break it down with today's episode. And that I think primarily is engaged in um, more frequently as a hobby than the, you know, blocked days of a vacation or the blocked days of a retreat in that sense. Yeah. I, I ran, um, track 
track and field and cross country in high school and in college. And I really like this runner from the University of Oregon mm. who was excellent in the late 60s, early 70s. Tragically, he died at a young age. His name was Steve Prefontaine. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Um, and in one of the movie versions of his mm-hmm. life, there's another character, I mean, real person named Mac Wilkins, who was a discus thrower. I think he won gold in 72 at Munich or in 76 at wherever that was. Uh, but he describes his regimen, like his training regimen. And in one of the movies, he describes how he doesn't like Christmas, he doesn't like Easter because they represent obstacles to the continuing of his training regimen. Like oh, wow. they're interruptions wow. yeah, yeah. to his dedication to the sport. Mm-hmm. And while that is noble, insofar as it's good to be dedicated to a certain thing, if you look at feast days like an interruption, or if you look at feast days like an obstacle, that represents a certain way of approaching, which is especially workaday, even if it's in this case for the perfecting of the the, yeah. the throwing of the discus. Um, so it's interesting that we as human beings are sometimes called upon to shift gears mm-hmm. precisely so that we remember what it's like to be in fourth and third and second and first. Because if you live life in fifth and fifth is dedicated to work, sometimes, yeah, you just lose touch. You kind of get like velocitized and the, the highway just kind of blends into the guardrails and all of a sudden you're veering off the road without even taking account of the fact that there's a road to be traveled down and you can go at various speeds. Um yeah, so I think it's it's good to shift gear. I, I mean, I had this experience on the Camino. Yep. It was like, I'm on the Camino and I'm doing nothing else. You have this experience when you go on retreat because you're like, I'm now going to read these books that I've been meaning to read. It's like, nope, you're going to yeah. catch up on a little bit of sleep, yep. right? Yep, you're yep, going to yep, take yep. a nice walk. You're going to be totally exhausted and not realize that you were so exhausted uh-huh. for like the past 17 months. Yep. Um, yeah, so it's good It's good to shift gears. All right, like so like you said, a way in which we do that in the ordinary course is by means of hobbies, yep. okay? Um, so let's say in a typical day, you wake up, you get ready for the day. Maybe you dedicate a little bit of time to prayer. You might go to mass. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got your work period. Most of us, it's like seven 30 to whatever, 6 PM, somewhere in around there. And, uh, that might be punctuated with little interruptions, but then you come home to your family, you get your kids ready for bed. Uh, you read them a story, you pray together. You might check in with your, your wife or your husband at the end of the day. And then you're just ready to lather, rinse, repeat. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I think a lot of us see in that a kind of temptation to just have work, 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 always in the foreground, Mm -hmm. and then just lose track of the background or the side ground or whatever other ground there is. So, So like where do hobbies fit? How does one go about finding a place for hobbies in his or her life? I think for the vast majority of people, hobbies are not accidental. Mm -hmm. And if they are only engaged with as like accidental, like, oh, this thing will come up into my life and or... I just kind of stumbled into this thing and it'll be great. Um, they find the fact that they never stumble into it. Mm. Right. Yeah, yeah. Cause your work, your profession will impose itself into your life. Yeah. You know, you'll have a supervisor or a boss who's having to keep you accountable to things and saying, Hey, did you get that project in? I need this, uh, you know, this spreadsheet done or whatever it is. It will impose itself into your life. You know, family life, your spouse, your children. I was uh, hanging out with a friend once and I remember I was talking to her and she's, I was like, yeah, you know, you're, you're, a, you know, your work or your life as a mother, you're always on. There's never a time that you can turn that off. And she was like, yeah, my son comes into my room every, every day and peels my eyelids open to see no if way. I'm awake. I was like, so the reality is. He's like imposing your motherhood in such a way that's even before you're awake. Like he is your alarm clock. She's like, yeah, he physically climbs up and opens my eyelids. I was like, wow, that's unbelievable. <laughs> so like there's the imposition, we can say like of family life upon 
us. But hobbies won't fight for us. It, hobbies don't really fight for our time in that way. Everything else will demand itself. And so I think there's this, uh, I've, I've talked to many people and they're like, oh, I wish I had that time to do that. Or I wish I had the hobby in that way. I wish I could have something that I was passionate about that I cared enough about that I could, that it would impose itself on my life, but nothing does. Well, yeah, there's a reality that hobbies don't demand. They're not going to impose themselves. Everything else will. So we have to look at it and see that there's a great value in it, that it's important for our life, and maybe intentionally engage with that, intentionally protect our hobbies as a way to then create um, a fuller picture of our life and, and a, a fullness that we would not have unless we had those in our lives. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's think concretely about hobbies. The types of hobbies that people typically engage in, I would, I would categorize them as either arts or crafts. Yes. So arts, that'd be like <laughs> painting, sculpture, oh statuary, um, literature, poetry, uh, music, music of yeah. some sort, whether you're performing or composing. Okay, so those would be like arts. And then crafts, typically like handiwork. Okay, so like... Um, woodworking, carpentry, uh, like masonry, or like, um, you know, like, like, like a lot of people are excited at the prospect of cooking maybe, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or of doing home improvements that they might otherwise contract out, but they can learn to do themselves provided it's not high risk, like they're dealing with electricity or water, you know, that kind of stuff. So we got, we have the arts and we have crafts. Um, I know that in our novitiate experience, uh, we were encouraged to take up a craft of some sort, an art or a craft of some sort. We weren't encouraged in the way that past classes had been or future classes would be. It was a first year for our novice master. He said, by my own admission, I let a couple things, you know, slip through yeah, the cracks. Yeah, this yeah. is one of them. He's like, go for it, but I'm not going to follow up on it. Um, so I, I learned rudimentary woodworking, which is to say I made an advent wreath. We made an advent uh, wreath. Yeah. Um, I helped on the finishing touches on that one. I was not there for the entirety of it. Yeah, I believe the technical description for that oh, advent wreath was janky. It was a janky advent wreath. <laughs> yeah. um, and then I learned a little bit of mandolin, just enough mandolin to play a song when we visited the Dominican Sisters of St. Cecilia True in story. June. Yeah, like, which was an uproarious moment. I would say that provided was... one of the best photos of the entirety of our novitiate. <laughs> That's right, because Let's it was go. A, a photo that I didn't take when I was responsible for taking photos, I was trashola. Mm. Um, so a couple of things. I don't know. Did you have go-to things that you did during the novitiate? In the novitiate, I started uh, making beer. Nice. That was my go-to. Okay. Yeah, there were some exploded bottles. Nice. Uh, you know, but for the most part, I, I learned the basics of how to make beer. So then later on, when I got to the House of Studies, we upgraded and kept kept that going. But definitely all started in the novitiate. Okay. All right, so in our experience, you know, because we didn't have a nine to five job in the same way, uh, we were able to kind of plug that in during the week, maybe a little bit on the weekends. But then we were also responsible for learning how to sing, and we had six yeah. hours each yep, week yep. dedicated to that task, so that we could move from tone deaf to slightly less tone deaf. Eh, not not all of us, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's all right. Um, so like we had this, but but for a lot of people who work from nine to five or who have busy lives for whatever other reason, it's not going to be as easy. So based on the novitiate experience and then other experiences that we've had since, what would be your practical counsel? All right, you're trying to pick a hobby. Yeah. First, let's talk about what kind of hobby might you pick. Mm -hmm. Second, where is that hobby going to fit? And then three, how do I persevere in cultivating that hobby so it doesn't just go the way of all flesh? So first, picking hobbies, any concrete and practical advice? Um, yeah, I think before I go down that first uh, 
step one. I yeah, got to yeah. go step zero. Oh, perfect. Okay. I was hoping you would. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was why why are we even talking about this? Sure. Right. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The importance of hobbies. And for many people, they can say like, well, that's a waste of time. Mm -hmm. What would you get out of that? Why do that? You can't sell it. It's not productive enough. Like, why even do these types of things? We work in a tremendously overproductive society. Yeah. <clears throat> Everything that we're doing is ordered towards hyper efficiency and hyper productivity. Right. This is, you know, we live in the consumer based culture that we need to make a, a product that we can get some return out of it. And hobbies seem like the thing that you do that has no return on. Mm -hmm. And in the parlance of our world, that's a waste. Yeah, yeah. It's a wasteland out there. Don't do hobbies, but do things that you can get paid for, right? Maybe you might enjoy it, but at least get some return and pay for it. But hobbies, to do them for their own good, doesn't seem like anything that we should pursue. And it's like, no, actually, doing things in that sense that are simply for their own enjoyment, which the world would see as a waste of time, is a noble pursuit. Mm -hmm. and actually a healthy one and virtuous one. And I always talk about, too, like the importance of hobbies that may seem like a waste of time is also really important for our spiritual life. Mm -hmm. And the reason is if we can slowly become a little more comfortable with wasting time in our daily life in the appropriate way, right, yeah, yeah. In, in, in appropriate ways, but if we can be okay with a wasting time in that way for leisure and for enjoyment – then we start to become a little more comfortable with prayer. Why? Because once again, it's the same world that says hobbies are a waste, don't engage with them. It's that same world that also says prayer is a waste of time. Mm -hmm. And you know what? They're right. It's wasting time with God. You know, a prayer to sit in the chapel, to sit in meditation, recollection, in your little prayer nook space, wherever it is in your home, <clears throat> is to waste time with God. And that's never a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. And so as we increase our spiritual life, as we increase prayer, wasting time with God, we become more comfortable with the appropriate and kind of uh, virtuous time, wasting of time and hobbies and leisure. Yeah. And as we do that, we're also building up the habits and the skill sets to be okay with things done for their own sake, like worshiping God. Mm -hmm. That is just for that act in, in a life of prayer and worship. So I think before we start to really figure out, okay, how do we figure out which hobbies is like to encourage people that don't be afraid of doing things necessarily, not not for whatever outcome that it may be. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's not just about this productivity. So yeah, apropos of that, it's funny. I'm thinking of way back when I was just uh, recording an episode with Father Bonaventure where we appealed to something from like three years previously, which is wild. <laughs> yeah. But I think it was the second episode that we ever recorded was about leisure. Yeah. Um, and in that episode, we made the argument that leisure is humane and humanizing, and that in this life, we're accustomed to use things, but there are certain you know, persons with whom we engage who are not to be used, right? They're mm -hmm. to be enjoyed. There are certain aspects of our life which are not to be used. They're to be enjoyed. And that's true in the ultimate sense of the life of heaven and the God who gives us, right, who introduces us into the life of heaven, but that we have an introduction to that in the contemplative life that we experience in the here and now and the life of leisure. And that might be, like you said, prayer would be one of the highest expressions of that, but also, you know, good family meals and yeah. then the type of hobbies that we've described and then like liturgy and feasting more broadly. So there's, there's all these different ways in which we can cultivate a life of genuine leisure without being... Um, like a strange 19th century, 
member of the landed gentry who <laughs> congratulates himself on all the money that his ancestors accumulated. Like we're talking about something here that's not like hoity-toity, but something that's just genuinely human, right? So we don't have to justify our existences with work. We can like enjoy our existences in the presence of the God who gives them to be. Right. I mean, we're in a, we live in a context, right, where we think luxury and leisure are synonymous, mm -hmm. right? The only way to live a life of leisure is to accomplish a life of luxury. Because if I can establish myself with enough wealth, if I can establish myself with enough security, financial security, then that will create the, the context through which I can be leisurely. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't, you know, work for a paycheck and make sure that, you know, the work that we do isn't um, you know, remunerated in appropriate ways. But those two things, luxury and leisure, are not synonymous. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no that's super important because leisure is just basic or constitutive even of human life. Yes. yes because absolutely. if we were just robots or cogs of the industrial wheel or cogs in the industrial wheel, then our lives would be ground under by the demands of the workaday world when, and here I'm thinking of Joseph Pieper's essay, Leisure, leisure the Basis, basis of, of Culture, culture. there are things which are yep. more quintessentially or more kind of like typically human than work itself. Work is good, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we dignify, you know, our environment and we dignify our lives by the work with which you know, we transform mm -hmm. the the environment, right? The the earth. Um, but um, yeah, but but we're more than simply the work of our hands. The work of our hands is an expression of our dignity of human, you know, as human beings, which has you know a variety of aspects to it. So okay, so then thinking about hobbies then as a genuinely leisurely activity, which is to say a humane and humanizing activity, yep. which kind of gives us our humanity back as as refreshed, as transfigured, it gives us a new vantage or perspective on life and all of its different, you know, various facets. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's get into the practicals then. How what how might we go about choosing hobbies, uh, right. or what are the types of hobbies that might interest an individual? I um I really really love your kind of breakdown the arts and crafts. So this is like God's planning arts and crafts edition, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, I, I think it's important to have at least one dedicated hobby in each of those spheres. Nice. Right. I, I think that that can be really important to yeah. say is like, we need to engage in both of these and not just like, Oh, you, you know, these are more for the nerds over here or the artistic types, but I don't have any of that. I'm, you know, a super active person. So we'll go over here. No, I think it's really important to have one of each. Um, in another way that I always kind of maybe encourage people, as I say, like have one dedicated hobby, that's an outdoor hobby and one hobby that's like an indoor hobby. And so maybe the weather's not always the best. And so if it's raining, pouring uh, down rain, like you have to have another option for that. Mm -hmm. You know, my major hobby that I have is I, I love to golf. And so golfing is my major one, but it's not always the best weather. Sometimes it's bitter cold outside or it's, it's pouring down rain and I can't go out and golf. Well, I can have something else indoor that I know is gonna be my go-to hobby instead of just like, wallowing in the depressing gray clouded rain of the day. But I think having that uh, notion of, okay, this is arts and crafts and having one that's a little more artistic and expressionary or things like that. And having one that's a little more uh, of a skill-based uh, hobby is, is really, really beautiful and important. And when you look at that, okay, we have two categories, but now that opens up worlds, to be quite honest. And that's exciting. I love that. Where do I go? What do I do with that? Well, I think the first thing is like, what are you attracted to? Yeah. 
what do you like? What do you want to do? You know, what what speaks to you that maybe has has been that thing? Oh, I wish I could always do X. Mm-hmm. Well, then go for it. You know, begin in that path. Um, looking at your life and saying what is possible too. It's like maybe um, you know sailing around on a 175 foot yacht mm-hmm. is not really in your possibility, mm-hmm. right? But maybe getting a, a small little sailboat that might be. Yeah, yeah. You know, so if there's an attraction towards the nautical life or something, well, maybe don't go all the way down, you know, that, but like there is something in that way. But just to really look at those types of things that are interesting to you, that are attractive to you, and then begin in those areas. Just yeah. start becoming familiar with that world as you begin um, looking into those hobbies. Okay. Okay. So, so some further thoughts then, which kind of dovetail us into or transition us into the next consideration, which is how do I cultivate or where do I fit it? And then ultimately, how do I persevere in it? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important, yeah, like you said, to pick something that you like because what's going to fuel the hobby is love. Yes, all right? yes. And I don't, I, don't, I don't think that we have to worry too much about being a master of our craft or a master of our art. Yeah. I think it's just enough to, to enjoy it, right? Mm-hmm. To experience a kind of delight in it and to experience it as recreative and refreshing. Um, so don't worry about how your practice of the hobby compares to other people because then that's to put it on a different... Um, like scale of normativity. It's mm-hmm. like the point of it isn't isn't to, to to master it by comparison to other practitioners. The point of it is to enjoy it, right? To yes. to have your humanity given back to you as refreshed and as recreated. And the other thing that I would say too is um like sometimes it'll feel like you're taking a step backwards when you mm-hmm. start a hobby. Uh so this is not entirely appropriate as an example, but uh I didn't know how to touch type for a while up until like maybe seven years ago. Uh, so I was always, I was just hunting and pecking. I had like two fingers, maybe three. Yeah. I just never, never did a typing class. Uh, <laughs> but at a certain point I was looking around the computer lab and the student tape and I was like, man, everyone can type 90, 95, hundred words per minute. And I'm, I'm rocking right now at like 45. Um, and so I was like, okay, I think it's time for me to learn how to type, to learn how to touch type. And so I just went online. I found just something free. And when I started, it was painful. Like I was typing at 15 words per minute or something like that. And it felt like a step backwards. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But within three weeks, I was back to where I was when I hunted and pecked. And then by six weeks, I was at, you know, 85, 90 words per minute. So so it's going to feel like you're taking a step back in your human life because it doesn't come easy at the outset and it doesn't always feel enjoyable. But once you get through a certain period of time and you've acquired the rudimentary skills, then it is an introduction into a richer experience of life. Um, so I'd say that's true with like musical instruments. I mean, obviously it takes longer with musical right. instruments than six weeks uh, in a particular way. But even like poetry, I think people find poetry totally arcane at the outset. Yeah. It's like you're being purposefully difficult. What's the deal? But as you engage with it and maybe read some commentaries on it, you're going to find things out about it, which will be a deeper introduction to your human life. So don't worry about the the step back. First is not to compare. And then don't worry about the step back. Um, boom. Okay, so then uh, as we look... Uh, to the next step, what are ways in which we can we can make some space for it? Is it just a matter of scheduling, or is it a matter of looking at the, the day, the week, the month? What do you think? Yeah, I think it, this part depends on which hobby you're starting to pursue, yeah. but that you have an intentionality of priority. That hobby's leisure is going to have to be elevated to the level of priority of your life. Mm-hmm. I think for some people that's really, really hard, getting back to what I was saying earlier, is because Hobbies typically don't impose themselves. And this is where we have to kind of take a little more of an active role in looking at our life and our priorities and saying, yeah, these are my priorities. And for my own humanity uh, is going to need to be up there a little more. So 
as with everybody in their daily life, like it should be, doesn't need to be rigorously scheduled, but it should be intentional. So I know what time I wake up, right? And it's not just because I have to be at work at 9 a.m. and it takes me a half hour there. So I have to leave the house by 830 and my morning, uh, you know, routine of getting ready, shower, shave, all those things is a half hour. So now I have to be up at eight o'clock. Well, we have to create enough time to actually get into the day. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, there's a, a a daily planner that I typically use uh, called the, the full focus planner. And they talk about what your workday startup routine is and what your workday um, shutdown routine is. Mm-hmm. But they also talk about what your daily startup routine and your daily shutdown routine is. So looking at that and saying, I'm going to carve out a certain, so like if I get home at five, six o'clock at night, then I have, you know, X amount of hours before I should be going to sleep. Well, let's be intentional about how we use that. Okay, I want to engage in this moment of leisure instead of just being accidental and saying, I have free time. So this is where being intentional with our free time and putting our hobbies into those spaces instead of just saying, well, I have free time. We'll see how I feel in those moments. If I have enough energy, then maybe I'll start a hobby. No, no, be intentional with this. It's like I got two hours uh, on a Friday evening. I'm going to do this as my hobby. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And I would say too, like you recognize moments in which you're accustomed to kind of collapse your humanity into that of a most basic organism. Um, so it's like time to prepare a meal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're checking your phone as you're throwing a hot pocket into the microwave and putting whatever time you do. So it turns, you know, lava hot on the inside. Um, okay. Just may- on the edges, but ice cold in the center. Exactly. Love hot pockets. Right. So that might be an opportunity to take the, the necessity of the situation. I need to nourish myself. Right. And then to leverage that as an opportunity to, to humanize the situation. Okay. So I would love to eat things which taste good and which also, you know, like supply me with the nutrients that I need to grow. Um, hot pockets will get me by, but it doesn't feel like I'm participating in a rich human culture when I indulge in like the three hot pocket meal. So maybe this is an opportunity to learn a little bit about cooking. That, that might be a good, you know, necessity becomes the mother of hobby invention. Or um, let's say that, yeah, I'm totally zonked. I'm not feeling so hot. I want to just watch a television show or something like that. Okay, maybe you're accustomed to watch two 40-minute episodes. Well, uh, what if you spent one of those 40-minute periods doing something a little more humane and humanizing, something mm-hmm. like more along the lines of a hobby? And it might involve, you know, trying to pick up an instrument or it might involve, you know, doing some work around the house, which while not urgent is still important and you can leave your human mark on the space if you were to do just that. So I think that like a lot of us just fill free time with the, not like the laziest, but in some ways the least demanding. What's the lowest bar of entry? It's the the thing that demands the least effort of engagement. Yeah. yeah. Right? So it's like, when we talk about this, like we have to be intentional with it, but as a way to be intentional and to engage it specifically as a human being. Yeah. Um, and that's what hobbies allow us to do. Yeah. Okay. Then just in the, the, the few minutes that we have remaining, uh, a thought then about persevering in hobbies. And I think this might be a good opportunity to transition back into the point with which you led, namely that this is part of our, our lives as not just like human beings in the, this worldly sense, but also in the otherworldly sense, which is part of our Christian vocations. Yeah. Um, so wasting time 
is a profoundly human experience because mm -hmm. we're not just beasts of burden, right? We have higher aspirations, yeah. we have higher hopes. So maybe thinking about persevering in hobbies and how that plays out in the yeah the, the vocation of each of us to the life of heaven. I think it, it starts to you know tap into our our humanity that demands or, or the humanity that we have that and unfortunately is frail. Mm -hmm. is weak it isn't isn't prone to uh perfect perfection of its um current state in that way so w we pray for the gift of perseverance right final perseverance perseverance in this uh christian life and, and whatnot well hobbies can help to encourage that in seeing that you know there's something that is arduous there are many things that in this life that we are just not naturally like we don't have the natural talents to not all of us are, you know, like uh, LeBron James, who are just naturally gifted athletically. Now he puts a lot of time into his his uh, you know craft and skill as well. Um, but there's a lot of natural talent involved. So I would encourage people to not just do the things that you're naturally good at. Just don't do the things that are, are easy for you. Do something that is is somewhat difficult. That's going to take a, a, a growth and uh, take some perseverance to go through. In learning that perseverance to learn a skill, you know, if it's watercolors or whatnot, yeah, your first few attempts are gonna be absolute trash, not even worthy of the refrigerator, <laughs> right? But you continue to persevere with that. I mean, we, we talked about this uh, a little earlier, maybe um, it, it was a, a different episode, it was like, you know, our early episodes are really rough, mm. you know, but we, we work through that and you get better as you go and you begin to have this kind of experience of perseverance that is very translatable to the Christian life. Yeah, yeah. Because our life of prayer, sometimes we go through desolations, sometimes we go through confusions and to not immediately give up and say, all right, I'm done with that. That my, uh, the easiness of it has evaporated and it's too tough. So I'm going to go find something, another option. I'm going to, you know, escape that and go find something else easier. Well, when we engage in hobbies, especially the skills and the arts, um, it starts to encourage us through that perseverance. And that is extremely important for the Christian life because the Christian life is not easy. If it like, it's just not easy for us to do. And we start to kind of hone in and maybe, uh, perfect that skill or that comfortability with perseverance in engaging with these hobbies. Yeah. Okay. So by way of final thought from me, I would say it's never too late, never too late, never too late to start mm -hmm. and it's never too late to restart. And don't be scandalized by the fact that there are ups and downs or kind of seasons in life. Yeah. Um, so sometimes, you know, like if you don't pick up the sitar by age four, you lose the capacity to recognize quarter notes or quarter tones and like it's over. Okay. All right. Fine. But still you can become uh, a, a bad sitar player and it's better to be a bad sitar player than never to have ventured the sitar at all okay but also like sometimes you did a thing and then you got away from the thing it's fine to get back to a thing yeah, yeah. you don't have to be like ashamed of the fact that you were once better the, the point is in part the process mm -hmm. right because it's a human pilgrimage we are on the way and sometimes we need to admit the fact like yeah i took a really long pit stop and my legs seized up and now i gotta limber up again so i'm not gonna be walking as fast that's fine. You don't have to apologize for the fact that there have been setbacks, yeah. that there are times in your life which are sad, which are lonely, which are anxious, like like loved ones die and sickness befalls and yada, yada, and us and such. Like, it's okay, right? Let's just, let's just take today and then tomorrow and then the next day and we'll take them in stride. Like right now, I'm in a season of my life where I'm a graduate student. So I have a little bit of bandwidth because I'm on a continent where no one knows that I exist, which is awesome. Um, <laughs> 
So I hike a lot on Saturdays. I know when I come back to the United States, I will not be able to hike right. as much because the mountains aren't as close. They're not as accessible. And also I'm just going to be busier. It's just mm -hmm. the fact of the matter. But I'm enjoying it now. And I have these like riches upon which I can repose, this beauty in which I've been drenched so that I can come back to it. In later moments, when I might be surrounded in a concrete jungle by all signs of ugliness, I will know that I have beheld beauty previously yeah. and that I've been regenerated by it, right? Um, so I think that, yeah, just... Hobbies are a good thing. They're worth pursuing, even if it means starting late, even if it means restarting after a hiatus, and even if it means admitting the fact that like, yeah, there's going to come a time where maybe not, but as for now, why not, right? Because if it's genuinely human and humanizing, then it's a good, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Final thoughts. Yeah, I think there's this tendency, I see it a lot with uh, my college students, is a failure to launch. Mm -hmm. Like they won't embark on some task, journey, project, unless the desired outcome is a guarantee for them. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's typically what happens with a journey or with a hobby is like, I'm attracted to this thing. I really enjoy, you know, a, a experience of it at arm's length, but a hobby then puts you into the, it envelops you in that. And sometimes it's, that's intimidating and terrifying. And it's like, I wish I was just immediately good at that. But you have to just begin in that. And to be okay with like, yeah, maybe I'm not going to be a master of this right out of the gate, but to still be able to enjoy that for those moments in that journey for that, because there will become a time in the future where circumstances of your life change a little bit and you may not be able to continue that, but you have something in the past to go back to. And then you have another opportunity to pick up another hobby that uh, your state of life will permit you to engage in. Boom. All right, folks, that's awesome. Um, so I'm pumped and encouraged in my own pursuit of hobbies. I hope you are too. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Godsplaining. Uh, thanks again to all those who support us via Patreon. And again, if you enjoy the show, please consider making a monthly donation through that uh, website, which you can find at godsplaining.org or patreon.com slash godsplaining. Um, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. If you would, like, subscribe, and leave a five-star review, all of which helps to get the word out. And then if you check in with the show notes or the episode description, depending on where you uh, consume your podcasts, you'll find links there. The one you can follow to merchandise um, and you can get some cool Godsplaining uh, merchandise. I guess that's the point of merchandise is that it's merchandise. Uh, and then also you'll have uh, links there to check out Godsplaining events. So we've already uh, announced them at the top of the hour, or the top of the half hour. Uh, but we have a, an all-comers retreat in the middle of June, June 16th through 18th in Malvern, Pennsylvania, just outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, so that's for all persons age 21 and beyond. Uh, and then we have a men's retreat in Brevard, North Carolina at Camp Catalea Chasatanga. That's the second weekend of August, and that's for men 21 and beyond. I think it's like up to 35, but that's a little bit flexible. So just send us an email and we'll sort out the details. Uh, so that's it. Thanks so much. Again, uh, know of our prayers for you. Please pray for us, and we'll look forward to chatting with you next time on Godsplaining.